Welcome back, everybody. I'm Tommy. I'm Bear. And we are the Unrefined Guys. Two guys who know a little bit about a lot of things, but don't know a whole lot about one particular topic. Pride Weekend. Yay. Yeah. Seems to be quite a bit going on. A little bit of controversy happening in some of the parades around the country. Almost all of them. I think so. Just about every one of them. There's been something in some of those bigger cities. Um, You know, I, I don't have an issue. I've been to several Pride events. They're, well, they they used to be they were a blast. They used to be really kind of you know and 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 interesting, but now they're kind of went off the deep end. Well, now they're kink shows. That's right. all it seems to be is it's just kink, and the disturbing part is there are kids. Yeah, and you know there's a picture floating around Twitter sphere as well as um, uh, Facebook. Yeah, and a couple of other places. Um, I think it's out of New York. I think it is out of New York, and these two. Older gentlemen who are nudists, apparently, are yeah, standing uh, at a nudists booth. Nudists of Canada or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and they're standing at a booth. Yeah. And this picture has the parents, I can assume they're parents, walking with their children in front of this booth. Right. And we're cool with that. Uh, yeah. I don't understand how it's going. And, that you know, it, you see all the fights. You see all the arguments. Oh, we're not coming after your kids. Well, in New York at the Pride Parade yep. just this uh, weekend, this came out. Now, do you hear what they're saying? I do. Okay. I'm, I'm, gonna play, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna play it one more time. Yeah, and somebody's going to say that they, they're not saying that they're coming for the children, but it's clear as day. It's clear as hell. We're here. We're queer. We're coming for your children. Yeah. Why do they think they need our children? Now, my, my kids will kick somebody's ass. It kind of reminded me of Jehovah Witnesses. You know, they're always out there recruiting, but aren't the Jehovah Witnesses are the ones that believe they're only a, a finite number of... Yeah, only a handful of people are actually going to be in the kingdom. Why, why are they heaven. always recruiting? And it, Yeah, that's what I don't understand. <laughs> well, because, you know, in, in their mindset, I think, I don't understand their religion. I don't, I don't want either. Understand. I don't want to offend but, uh, them. But I feel like that that's what they're pushing is recruitment they're numbers. Re- recruiting the kids for what? Why do they need this? This yeah. is just another... And this is a group of people that say that they're not after... Right, kids. right. We don't want kids to be, uh, you know, brought into our ideologies. Yeah. Well, then why do we need to be in schools? Why do you have uh, gays against groomers? Why do you have all of these groups coming out and saying, listen, trans community, queer community, the LGB community fought really hard to get the rights that we have. And uh, we're, you're just going to come in and you're going to screw it up for them and you're going to give everybody this bad name. Right. Uh, regardless of what you feel about, I mean, it's it's bad enough that they have to fight with the the idea that a lot of people think of them as pedophiles, right? And then you come out and you you, you chant this as you're marching down the street, and that it's disturbed that you should see the video. Well, you've I've seen, seen the, the video, video, yeah. The video that accompanies this chant is is they're marching down the street, um, many topless females. Uh, let me let me back off, many. Topless female appearing people, yeah, um, with evidence, uh, yeah, kind of there, <laughs> um, and some uh, very scantily clad men who are wearing next to nothing, right, 
there's all this kink. Last, uh, I think it was last a few last week sometime, we saw the parade where they had two men in the back of a truck dressed in bondage gear as yeah, they, and they were performing. They performed yeah. uh, fake simulated, I guess, simulated you would say. acts on each other. Uh, and then now they're chanting, "We're here, we're queer, and we're coming for your children." Yeah, and kind of goes against all that fight that you made so far. Yeah. You, now you're just undoing everything. Well, it just—it's it, almost like the uh, when they talked about transing kids. Well, we're not doing it to minors. We're not doing it to minors. Uh, and then more and more evidence seems to be coming out yeah. that in fact they are. And then. They, well, they have to go through a whole lot before that happens. Well, we're finding out, no, they, they, they can send an email to a quote-unquote therapist online, and in 15 minutes with... Yeah, they get a prescription, the fee, so to speak. You get this prescription to have uh, you know hormone blockers sent to your house. Yep. Don't tell us you're not. And now you're out here publicly stating yeah. in a very cheerful voice, we're coming for your children. I got to be honest, if that's not not grooming, I don't know what is, but you know, the way that the last four years have gone, Webster and all of those people in charge of the dictionaries, they're going to come and change the the definitions again to suit their needs. Orwell talked about it. Mm -hmm. Others have talked about it. This is the steps that need to be taken to move to a socialist slash communist society. I'm not putting on the tinfoil hat. I'm just pointing out what the literature says. No, the, the evidence about these is things. literally screaming in your ears. Yeah. You know, and you're and a lot of people are going to be like, "That didn't happen. That's, That's not, not what, what they what meant." They meant. Yeah, and Orwell even That's says, "That's not what they said. They said they weren't coming for your children." No, I, it clearly exactly says exactly what they said. <laughs> There's no. You can't argue with what they're saying. Now we meant it in a different way. Oh, okay. How about just not saying it? Don't say it. <laughs> you've already hey, you've exposed yourself. You have told us what your intention is. Yep. We are coming for your children. My parent, my kids are older. Your kids are older, but we have grandchildren. Have yeah, and I'm concerned. Uh, and I think more people who are like minded, like you and I, should be concerned when they talk about people. Or the trans community being this inclusive community and this this uh, all welcoming and loving and accepting community, BS. Yeah. Because we're seeing already that there are folks who are coming out who did start the transition process, right. who started taking the early puberty blockers, who were taking the cross hormones, testosterone, who have gotten. In many cases, for some reason, the numbers are much higher in our young adolescent females right now who are getting their breasts cut off, perfectly normal, healthy breast tissue being ripped right out of their bodies. And for what? A really young age that they haven't even gone through. Puberty. I mean, I know they're taking the puberty blockers, but whatever. What are we going to – we've gotten – The mutilation thing. Yeah. We we preach this. We have hammered on it every time. We have got to stand up. People who think like us have got to get together, set aside some of the other differences that we apparently have, and we all do. Oh, yeah. And we need to fight a common cause. Well, I think the fight is coming. It's not as fast as it should have happened. I think the fight is coming because, you, like you pointed out, you got the Bud Light effect. You got Target thing. Right. There North are face. people standing up to this whole right movement. Well, you've got Bud Light since this thing kicked off in April – Bud Light is down $27 billion. Ouch. North Face is down $12 billion. And Target has lost 14% of its market share at $2 billion. 
And then they doubled down. Oh, yeah. And now somebody's suing Target. A trans activist group is suing Target because for they took removing. The stuff well, they didn't even remove the stuff. They just put it in the back. In the back. Yeah. So I and, don't think that lawsuit's going to go anywhere because they didn't really remove, no, remove well, it. And what would they have to sue on? Right. I, really, I, and I don't. I haven't read the suit, but what would you sue about? I have a store. I don't want this particular item in display. I can put stuff displayed where I want it to be. Yeah. It, it's it. it Again, like you said, people are starting to stand up, but while they're standing up, more and more kids are still falling to this this cult that's, that this has turned right. into, and that's really what it is. A cult, Jim Jones took out almost a 1,000 people. Yeah, I still haven't figured that out. Uh, Heaven's Gate cult, they got rid of a ton of people. Uh, Branch David Davidians. Koresh, yeah. the Branch Davidians. Now, we could have a long conversation about that yeah, because there's the some feds conspiracy did some problems there. there. But the fact is, Charles Manson was able to convince these people to do nefarious acts to, to serve his mission and goal, whatever that happened to be, and we'll never know. Uh, thankfully, I guess, in many cases. But it would be nice to know what, what it was his ultimate plan was. Frankly, he, well, and, and what he put out at one point was that he wanted to start a race war. He wanted, the, he wanted all those murders to look like they were committed by people of color. Right. So that the white people would go after the black people. That's the what he had said at sure. one point. I don't remember when it was, but he had, that's what he had said. So they used a crazy guy to do something like that. And then if they had just waited a few years, they could use a very well-pronounced, very well-spoken, a very articulate, oriental <laughs> guy, guy from Harvard. Guy, <laughs> a guy who would become president. Yeah. Barack Obama, he was able to do it far better than, than Manson could. Yeah, well. He divided this country like never before, but... You're telling us this stuff isn't happening when it's happening right in front of our faces. And when we put up evidence, then you know we're the yeah we're the kooky ones. We're with bigots. We're yeah. transphobes. Um, we go through all of this to lead you down to this road. I think this is the time everybody's been waiting for. We have been prepping for this for five <laughs> weeks, and um, we've been excited to do. We've this. been very excited, and today is the day we're going to be uh, speaking with Chloe Cole. Chloe is a uh, she's an 18 year old girl who started the transition process very early, yeah. very early. 13 in her years life. old. Uh, started thinking, yeah. Started talking about it at 12. At 13, she started the hormones. At 15, she had her breasts removed. And uh, we're going to have her on to tell her story. And who better to tell that than Chloe? Yeah. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Tommy. I'm Bear. And we are the Unrefined Guys. Two guys who know a little bit about a lot of things, but don't know a whole lot about one particular topic. Pride Weekend. Yay. Yeah. Seems to be quite a bit going on. A little bit of controversy happening in some of the parades around the country. Almost all of them. I think so. Just about every one of them. There's been something in some of those bigger cities. Um, you know, I, I don't have an issue. I've been to several Pride events. They're, well, they they used to be they were a blast. They used to be really kind of you know and 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 interesting, but now they're kind of went off the deep end. Well, now they're kink shows. That's right. all it seems to be is it's just kink, and the disturbing part is there are kids. Yeah, and you know there's a picture floating around Twitter sphere as well as um, uh, Facebook. Yeah, and a couple of other places. Um, I think it's out of New York. I think it is out of New York, and these two 
older gentlemen who are nudists, apparently, are yeah, standing uh, at a booth. Nudists of Canada, Canada or something like yeah, that? Yeah, and they're standing at a booth. Yeah. And this picture has the parents, I can assume they're parents, walking with their children in front of this booth. Right. And we're cool with that. Uh, yeah. I don't understand how it's going. And, that you know, it, you see all the fights. You see all the arguments. Uh, we're not coming after your kids. Well, in New York at the Pride Parade yep. just this uh, weekend, this came out. Now, do you hear what they're saying? I do. Okay. I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to play it one more time. Yeah, and somebody's going to say that they, they're not saying that they're coming for the children, but it's clear as day. It's clear as hell. We're here. We're queer. We're coming for your children. Yeah. Why do they think they need our children? Now, my, my kids will kick somebody's ass. It kind of reminded me of Jehovah Witnesses. You know, they're always out there recruiting, but aren't the Jehovah Witnesses are the ones that believe there are only a, a finite number of... Yeah, only a handful of people are actually going to be in the kingdom. Why, why of are heaven. they always recruiting? And it, Yeah, that's what I don't understand. <laughs> well, because, you know, in, in their mindset, I think, I don't understand their religion. I don't, I don't want either. Understand. I don't want to offend but, them. But, but I feel like that that's what they're pushing is recruitment they're numbers. Re- recruiting the kids for what? Why do they need this? This yeah. is just another... And this is a group of people that say that they're not after right, kids. Right, right. We don't want kids to be uh, you know, brought into our ideologies. Yeah. Well, then why do we need to be in schools? Why do you have uh, gays against groomers? Why do you have all of these groups coming out and saying, listen, trans community, queer community, the LGB community fought really hard to get the rights that we have. And uh, we're, you're just going to come in and you're going to screw it up for them and you're going to give everybody this bad name. Right. Uh, regardless of what you feel about. I mean, it's it's bad enough that they have to fight with the the idea that a lot of people think of them as pedophiles. Right. And then you come out and you, you, you chant this as you're marching down the street. And that it's disturbed that you should see the video. Well, you've I've seen, seen the, the video, video. Yeah. The video that accompanies this chant is is they're marching down the street. Um, many topless females, uh, let me, let me back off many topless female appearing people. Yeah. Um, with evidence. Uh, yeah. Kind of there. <laughs> um, and some, uh, very scantily clad men who are wearing next to nothing. Right. There's all this kink last, uh, I think it was last a few, last week sometime, we saw the parade where they had two men in the back of a truck dressed in bondage gear as, yeah, they, and they, were performing. as they performed yeah. uh, fake simulated, I guess simulated you acts on each other. Uh, and then now they're chanting, we're here, we're queer, and we're coming for your children. Yeah. And people Kind of goes against all that fight that you made so far. Yeah. You, now you're just undoing everything. Well, it just, it, it's almost like the, uh, when they talked about transing kids... Well, we're not doing it to minors. We're not doing it to minors. Uh, and then more and more evidence seems to be coming out yeah. that, in fact, they are. And then, they, well, they have to go through a whole lot before that happens. Well, we're finding out, no, they, they, they can send an email to a quote-unquote therapist online, and in 15 minutes with... Yeah, they get a prescription, the fee, so to speak. You get this prescription to have uh, you know hormone blockers sent to your house. Yep. Don't tell us you're not. And now you're out here publicly stating yeah. in a very cheerful voice, we're coming for your children. 
I got to be honest. If, if it that's pisses me not, off as a parent. If <laughs> that's not grooming, I don't know what is. Yeah. But you know the way that the last four years have gone, Webster and all of those people in charge of the dictionaries, they're going to come and change the, the definitions again to suit their needs. Orwell talked about it. Mm-hmm. Others have talked about it. This is the steps that are need to be taken to move to a socialist slash communist society. I'm not putting on the tinfoil hat. I'm just pointing out what the literature says. No, the, the evidence about these is things. literally screaming in your ears. Yeah. You know, and you're and a lot of people are going to be like, "That didn't happen. That's, That's not, not what, what they what meant." They meant. Yeah, and Orwell even That's says, "That's not what they said. They said they weren't coming for your children." No, I, it clearly exactly says exactly what they said. <laughs> There's no. You can't argue with what they're saying. Now, we meant it in a different way. Oh, okay. How about just not saying it? Don't say it. <laughs> you've already hey, you've exposed yourself. You have told us what your intention is. Yep. We are coming for your children. My parent, my kids are older. Your kids are older, but we have grandchildren. Have yeah. And I'm concerned. Uh, and I think more people who are like-minded like you and I should be concerned. When they talk about people or, or the trans community being this inclusive community and this, this uh, all-welcoming and loving and accepting community, BS. Yeah. Because we're seeing already that there are folks who are coming out who did start the transition process, right. who started taking the early puberty blockers, who were taking the cross-hormones, testosterone, who have gotten... In many cases, for some reason, the numbers are much higher in our young adolescent females right now who are getting their breasts cut off, perfectly normal, healthy breast tissue being ripped right out of their yeah. bodies. And for what? A really young age that they haven't even gone through. Puberty. I mean, I know they're taking the puberty blockers, but whatever. What are we going to – we've gotten – The mutilation thing. Yeah. We, have, we, we preach this. We have hammered on it every time. We have got to stand up. People who think like us have got to get together, set aside some of the other differences that we apparently have, and we all do. Oh, yeah. And we need to fight a common cause. Well, I think the fight is coming. It's not as fast as it should have happened. I think the fight is coming because, you, like you pointed out, you got the Bud Light effect. You got Target thing. Right. There are people standing up to this whole right movement. Well, you've got Bud Light since this thing kicked off in April. Bud Light is down $27 billion. Ouch. North Face is down $12 billion. And Target has lost 14% of its market share at $2 billion. And then they doubled down. Oh, yeah. And now somebody's suing Target. A trans activist group is suing Target because for they took removing. This stuff up. Well, they didn't even remove this stuff. They just put it in the back. In the back. Yeah. So I don't and, think that lawsuit's going to go anywhere because they didn't really remove, no, remove well, it. And what would they have to sue on? Right. I, really, I, and I, don't, I haven't read the suit, but what would you sue about? I have a store. I don't want this particular item in display. I can put stuff displayed where I want it to be. Yeah. It, it's, it, it, again, like you said, it, people are starting to stand up, but while they're standing up, more and more kids are still falling to this, this cult that's, that this has turned right. into, and that's really what it is. A cult, Jim Jones, took out almost a 1,000 people. Yeah. I still haven't figured that out. Uh, Heaven's Gate cult, they got rid of a ton of people. Uh, Branch David Davidians. Koresh, yeah. The Branch Davidians. Now, we could have a long conversation about that. Yeah, because there's the some feds conspiracy theories there. problems there. 
But the fact is, Charles Manson was able to convince these people to do nefarious acts to, to serve his mission and goal, whatever that happened to be, and we'll never know. Uh, thankfully, I guess, in many cases. But it would be nice to know what, what it was his ultimate plan was. Frankly, he, well, and, and what he put out at one point was that he wanted to start a race war. He wanted the, he wanted all those murders to look like they were committed by people of color. Right. So that the white people would go after the black people. That's the what he had said at sure. one point. I don't remember when it was, but he had, that's what he had said. So he was a crazy guy to do something like that. And then if they had just waited a few years, they could use a very well-pronounced, very well-spoken, a very articulate oriental <laughs> guy, from Harvard. guy. <laughs> a guy who would become president. Yeah. Barack Obama, he was able to do it far better than, than Manson could. Yeah, well. He divided this country like never before, but... You're telling us this stuff isn't happening when it's happening right in front of our faces. You know, when we put up evidence, then you know we're the yeah we're the kooky ones. We're with bigots. We're transphobes. Yeah. Um, we go through all of this to lead you down to this road. I think this is the time everybody's been waiting for. We have been prepping for this for five <laughs> weeks, and um, we've been excited to do. We've this. been very excited, and today is the day we're going to be uh, speaking with Chloe Cole. Chloe is a uh, she's an 18 year old girl who started the transition process very early, yeah. very early. 13 in her years life. old. Uh, started thinking, yeah. Started talking about it at 12. At 13, she started the hormones. At 15, she had her breasts removed. And uh, we're gonna have her on to tell her story. And who better to tell that than Chloe? Yeah. Chloe Cole is yep. a detransitioner who's recently gained a lot of attention for her decision to detransition and then speak out about her experiences. Uh, she's appearing with us today on the Unrefined Guys podcast to share her story and to discuss the issues uh, surrounding detransitioning. Uh, now, Chloe started her detransition at a really young age, uh, I think 12, 13. She'll tell us about that after struggling with, with what she kind of thought was probably some gender dysphoria. Uh, she underwent some hormone therapy and surgery. Uh, they tell us they're not doing this stuff on younger kids, but I think Chloe started the hormones when she was 12. Um, but we're going to get into that. She has been all over the country now talking to different state houses to stop what is essentially gender mutilation in these yeah. children. And so, so for that, we're grateful. Uh, we thank you, Chloe, for taking the time to join a couple regular guys. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? I'm doing well. Um, sounds like you're a busy person. Yeah. Sounds like you're, uh, all over the place. Yeah. Pretty busy. Um, right now I'm actually in the middle of a trip. Um, I'm currently in Massachusetts in the past two weeks. I've been to Tennessee and Chicago and I'll be headed to Virginia soon. Oh yeah. Nice. So are you just, are you talking spreading your story and kind of, uh, getting people to hopefully pull their heads out of their rear ends and, and <laughs> see that this is not the way to go? Yeah. Um, I mean, I like I like what these activists try to say. Most people, when they hear my story, they're completely shocked that this is even happening to kids. Right. It's hard to see why. So I think the easiest way for us to go is to just say, you know, let's uh, let's hear what your story is. It started out fairly young, right? Was I right when I said about twelve is when you started the the hormone treatment? Um, I was thirteen, but okay. it wasn't long after I turned thirteen. Maybe like a year, a year, like. You were close. Half a year. I was. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. So when you let, let's talk about maybe leading up to you getting on the hormones, what kind of set you on the path that you thought, you know, maybe you were thinking that you, you were um, a transitional, that you needed to transition. What, what led up to that? 
Um, you know, as a kid, I'd always been kind of on the tomboyish side, and I found it difficult to make friends with and get along with uh, my peers and mostly like other girls. And I tried more and more as I got older to distance myself from any sort of femininity because I did kind of have like a shame, a bit of shame around being a girl, but also like for a while it just didn't feel like things like purses and dresses and having long hair and a lot of the superficial things that I felt like girls around my age were really only interested in. What, what would you what would you credit the shame to? I mean, that's an awful young age to feel shame towards. Yeah, I mean, who was shaming you? I mean, I would like to know. Was it just something uh, you just felt? Well, I'm sorry. I you didn't like, stump you. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Um, like I kind of got bullied growing up for okay. the way I dressed. Like, like, I like wearing, uh, like, tutus and, like, bright, bright colors and stuff like that, which is pretty normal for somebody my age. Right. But, yeah. So, I was kind of different from other kids, and I just got... Kids can be cruel. Oh, yeah, and very much so. Because I was different. Like, they just thought, well, that's who we should pick on, you know? So, you were at that age yeah. where you started a little bit earlier, as I've heard from some of your other um, interviews. You, you kind of started puberty earlier. And so, that kind of probably led you into some of that shame as well, would you guess? That was a big part of it, yes. Um, and I would often hear from other girls. Like, I, I didn't share their interests, but I would always... They often talked about how... Just how bad being a woman was. Like, things like periods, childbirth, pregnancy, uh, being... Like, being more vulnerable to things like sexual abuse and assaults. Right. Some of my friends' stories of growing up being sexually abused or... Mm doctor things like that and it made me kind of resent and not really value myself as a woman and i feared those things eventually happening to me as well sure did you have any, I'm, I'm sorry did you have anyone in your life ever say to you hey you know puberty sucks it's hard but it's not going to last forever um i mean i would often like like in like uh my lessons at school and like books I would read and resources I would read online. Mm -hmm. Like they would say like puberty is going to be tough and like that, like there's a lot of things like, like a lot of discomfort growing right. up is pretty normal, but it still felt like there was something kind of setting me apart from other kids. And I felt like I, I just wasn't normal. No. I couldn't really figure out what it was for the longest time. So what made you think, okay, if, if this is the, you know, I can't figure this out, uh, you know, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm, I'm separated from my peers. Um, what kind of made you think, you know, at some point, I think maybe this, this, this maybe I'm, I'm pointed in the wrong direction and I need to, to course change uh, and led you towards, you know, uh, the transition process? Um, yeah, as I got further into puberty, um, I started developing some really bad body image issues and sometimes other kids would even call me like weird or ugly and I felt ugly. I felt like I would never make a good woman because of this. Hmm. And that's I a was lot for somebody that age. Right. Yeah. I was introduced to the idea of transitioning um, when I was about 12 years old after I started using social media on my first phone. Um, and the platform that I mainly used was Instagram which is, of course, very image-oriented. And there are a lot of images of women that 
I would constantly compare, my, compare myself to. And I also started seeing posts about, like, uh, like about the LGBT, about sexuality and transitioning and uh, gender identity. Um, and at first I was introduced to it through, like, vi um, communities around, like, fan bases of, like, video games, uh, cartoons and such. And it really intrigued me because I, I never really heard of anything quite like that before. And I was, I was old enough to where I was starting to naturally question what my role in the world was going to be, like who I was. Sure. Now you, so I started... I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I started to wonder about my sexuality and then about my gender identity because I didn't really necessarily know what it meant to feel like a girl. And I didn't really feel like I fit in or was anything like other girls my age. And over time, I just started to feel more and more that maybe I just wasn't a girl. So that tomboy thing kind of, kind of defined sort of where your identity was structured, or as far as where your identity structure may have been heading then, you would say? Yeah, I, that's part of it. So what, but also like alienation from other people sure. as well. Yeah, I can imagine. So what, what kind of started you taking that first step? And I, I don't know, uh, forgive me the, the steps exactly. I know that you, uh, you, know, you made a decision at some point that you were going to uh, start identifying as a, as a male. Um, how did, yeah. was, that a, was that a quick process or was that something you just kind of developed over time? Um, it was kind of a gradual thing. But one night I just decided that it just made sense that I wasn't supposed to be a girl. And so I would start pursuing transition and uh, I was deciding between names and starting to change the way that I presented myself and things like that, like the way I cut my hair or the clothes that I wore. And eventually I had a coming out of sorts to some friends at school and online. And uh, after a few months, I started coming out to members of my family, like my older sister and my parents. And so, so did you have a lot of support at the home? Yeah. I mean, my older sisters were a lot more supportive than my brothers, of course, but my mom and dad, they also wanted to be supportive of me and they referred to me by my preferred name and tried to well, call me, their son and such, That's but awesome. they they didn't really know what what exactly to do about this. So when when you first they thought it was a issue, it's it's new to them and too. So when you first came out to your family, specifically your parents, you know, it sounds like they they did try to support it, but they there had to have been some confusion in their lives, I would imagine. Um, yeah. At what point did, did, you know, maybe they, or I don't know, and I don't want to presume, but I mean, at some point you went to a therapist. Was this after you came out to your parents before? Yeah, that was uh, when they decided that they'd start sending me to therapy because they thought that in doing so, like, it would help me to sort out these feelings and it also helped them as my parents to to understand. Try and figure out what, what yeah, 
to, to understand what I was going through, why I felt this way. And they thought that, like, I would just be allowed to, I would be taught, to, taught coping, coping mechanisms in the, in the meantime. And then they would wait until I was at least 18 to allow me to make a decision on this. Okay. They didn't want me making any permanent decisions. Sure. Like they, I'm their kid. They wanted to be. They wanted to protect me, and they wanted me to be to be safe and to avoid me going through anything that I might regret. Okay. But they weren't really allowed to do that. You, what do you mean by they weren't allowed to do that? Well, they started to bring up their concerns to the doctors around this, like, uh, like the chances that I might regret this. Okay. Or why why I was pushing so much for this. I really started to feel as if I actually were a boy. And I thought that my only way out was to start hormones and as soon as possible. Because I didn't want to further develop as okay. a female during puberty. Yeah. So when, when And my parents were oh. throughout the process, but they didn't really they didn't really disclose that to my parents. They they told my mom and dad, like, oh, yeah, there's there's a reason why she's pushing for this. And the reason why is that this is who she really is. And you have to accept it because if you don't, if you don't allow her to transition, then it's likely that she's going to kill herself. Really? So they, so just, they, they just threw that hand grenade out of you? Yeah, so I was just going to say they yeah. didn't they didn't say, hey, you know, maybe she's just a tomboy and give her some time and she'll figure this out. Not at all. No. Oof. Nothing so, like that. So how long did it take you from your first counseling until um, they got you started on these hormones? Um, I'd say that maybe it was maybe about half a year. Six months. Between, mm. yeah, between like five to seven months you know, between being actually diagnosed for you and then being put on puberty blockers and then testosterone a month after that. Uh, it just blows my mind because, you know, Barry and I are spending time, you know, as we research this, when, we, you know, we do a daily pod, or not a daily, we do a, a podcast weekly and we, you know, look into it. We, we talk about daily events. We talk about things that are going on and we realize that it seemed like the medical profession as a whole, you know, just, I think it was just five or seven years ago, the United States had two gender clinics uh, for youth. And now, I, if I remember correctly, our number is over 200. But one of the things that's a resounding, uh, and again, it's, you know, it's, it's paraphrasing, of course, but one of the resounding things that we continue to read and hear is these parents keep hearing, would you rather have a, a live son or a dead daughter? It's almost like it's, it's blackmail. Yeah. I mean, it's not almost, it is like, it yeah. is blackmail. That's what it feels it like is, over here. It is. It's emotional manipulation. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, you got... I think you'd hear from the recent partner. You would hope. So, so you started on these hormones. Now, now continue on with, with where, you, where you head to, uh, from there. Um, yeah, so I, that was about halfway through my eighth grade year. And I went to high school pretty much passing perfectly as a member of the opposite sex. And nobody really knew that I wasn't a biological female save for people that I went to like elementary and middle school with but all my new friends that I was making had no idea and they just saw me as another boy and the years passed and over the course of my transition even though I was in under 
as activists would say, completely perfect circumstances. I was transitioning as young as possible. Um, everybody, almost everybody knew me as a boy. And I was... My dysphoria just was pretty much going away over time. But so, so when you 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 were kind of getting the the result that you were hoping for from so, this, yeah, change. it sounds like she was uh, doing pretty well within you know, people, with people knowing or recognizing you as a boy. You know, yes, kind of you were winning, so to speak. Yeah. In, internally, did you feel that way uh, during that time process? Um, I mean, I thought so, but for some reason, I still, over time, I started to just go back to baseline. It became normal for me, and there were still issues I had, and some that were even coming from my transition that just weren't being addressed, and I started going back to therapy again. I was diagnosed with depression and social anxiety, and they didn't really help me at all. They just started to medicate me for it. And I just kept going further and further down down the spiral. And even, even so, I was allowed to make an appointment with a, with a, with a surgeon and undergo surgery wow. to remove my breasts. And this was just after my sophomore year of high school. So how old were you when that happened? I was 15. You were 15. And, and I don't know what the laws are like in California. Were, were your parents, did they have to be informed and, and advised on that? Yeah, and they were given, they tried to speak up again, but they were given the same, the same, uh, same argument again. Like, yeah. Like, you're going to commit suicide if you don't, if she's barred from these treatments. No, I think I know that. I'm sorry, go ahead. It's life. It's life saving care. They say. So I think I know the answer to this, but do you feel like through this entire process where it came, where you know the, the hormones started at 13, the surgery's coming at 15, we've learned so much in the last few years about informed consent. Do you think that you and your parents together were were properly um, given the information in, in a way that was uh, uh, ethical? Absolutely not. There was nothing about it. I mean, they used some emotional manipulation manipulation tactics on my parents. And Chloe, and I'm sorry. They, they, uh, either, I'm they sorry. gave neither me. <laughs> Sometimes these these delays are, are yeah, dry. So sorry. We apologize for that. That's okay. All right. What I was going to say, kind of expanding on what uh, Tommy was saying, is at the time, did you actually feel suicidal? Or was it just something no. they were just BSing your parents? No, I wasn't suicidal until after I was on these treatments. Mm. That's the worst part. It made me worse. Well, we're hearing from all these activists over and over again that this is the cure-all. Yeah. And yet more and more people are coming out and finding out that the things that they were being alleged to have felt prior to um, transforming that they don't, they didn't feel any of that until afterwards. Um, so you get approved for surgery at fifteen. Yes, you got to be elated at that point. I mean, it, it, again, with the minimal information you have, thinking this is the next process, the next step in the process that's going to make yep. me, quote unquote, feel normal. Yep, and that's how I felt at first. 
and I was looking forward to being fully recovered and being able to take off my shirt just like any other boy and not have to worry about having visible breasts on my chest because I really did truly think that I was a boy. Why would I want that on my body, you know? Sure. Yeah, no, I got you. When the rest of me looks like I thought looked like a boy. But, I mean, I never fully recovered. Um, the wounds on my chest have opened back up as of last year. Oh, and yeah. I have to cover myself up with, with bandages every day. And it's really time-consuming having to buy new bandages. And if I can't find the right size, I have to cut them up and then I have to tape them on me and such. But wow. I never fully healed. And I started come to realize over time that it didn't help me and I missed having a more feminine form. Sure. So, so at, th at this point you're, you're missing having the girl bodies, so to speak. I don't know how else to say it. Yeah. A more, a more feminine body and right. my breasts, but also just having, just looking like a woman. Right. What was your aha moment in that? Uh, after your surgery, what was that? What was your aha moment after you had the the breast uh, removal surgery? Um, about a year later, I was in a psychology class in my junior year, and I think just like learning about like child psychology and parenting, and the amount of work that goes into that, just kind of opened my eyes up. Like I. I then knew that, like, I, I wanted to be a mother, and I wanted to be a woman, and to fill that, that maternal role and have biological children of my own one day. Well, and this is something that's going to interfere with my ability to do that, and now I'd never be able to breastfeed my, my kids. I wouldn't even have the choice as an adult because of the decision that I was making, that I wasn't able to make as a kid. One of the things that I think some of our listeners are probably going to have, and I'm, I've noticed it myself, I, we haven't talked much about uh, attraction or um, sexuality as a as a um, a role per se. And what what I haven't heard you say is that you felt as though that um, you were you were a boy because of your mannerisms, because of the tomboyish, but. I've, we've not really heard anything about attractiveness uh, as far as, and, and again, starting on puberty blockers at such a young age, uh, we know now that that shuts some of those, those things down. Um, yeah. Was there an attraction, especially going into high school and, and, you know, you know, the average kid starting high school in puberty, you know, tends to have raging hormones <laughs> and lots of attractions. Yeah. And, and that's something that I, you know, I think uh, as we've, if we've, we have researched, um, your story and and something that you don't really touch on too much, which leads me to believe that this is far bigger than just sexuality. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did kind of experience that because I was on male hormones in extremely high doses and it was pretty difficult for me to deal with. And I didn't really have any guidance on how to deal with that or like any of male socialization in general. So it was, I kind of had a hard time with that, but I also was like, I was closing off my dating pool by transitioning because I was still attracted to men. And even like if I want, I knew that even if I wanted to be with a woman, I wouldn't exactly have what they're looking for. And so I kind of just closed off that option and never really got to explore stuff like uh, dating either sex during high school. Wow. 
you were you were robbed in so many so many different ways. Um, and, yeah. and, and and I go back to this this piece about you weren't given any information. So when when you start the hormones, then you have the mastectomies, and, and now you're in this this situation. Did you have to continue? with therapy and follow-up uh, for the mental health aspect of this, or was that mental health aspect ever really taken into account? Um, well, they stopped sending me to therapy after I began taking hormone treatments because... What? You know, according to that, I was, I was happier. I felt happier, and this dysphoria was starting to lessen, and mm. I didn't feel like I was having any other issues, so they just completely dropped me off. Oh and like God. I was getting like blood tests for the testosterone, but that was about it. That was about the extent of the uh, their monitoring of me. Um, but I started going back to therapy again in my sophomore year because somebody reported me to the counselor at school that I was having uh, I was experiencing suicidal ideation, and so they they called my mom and dad, and uh, that was when my when mom and dad started to start sending me to to, to uh, to therapy again. Wow. It just blows my mind that you're going to make, that the medical community is going to allow it. Yeah, they fast-tracked her. Yeah, the, you get fast-tracked yeah. her, and then they don't give you any support after the fact. You've just made this huge physical and mental life-altering change, and they were like, yep, check the box. You're going to be on the fast, <laughs> you're going to, and I hate to be so crass. Um, that's why we're called the unrefined guys, but they, they got their, their pound of flesh out of you. And now you're just going to keep paying them for the rest of your life. Cause you're going to have to stay on these medications. Yep. Wow. I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's just the checking off the boxes. Right. There is no compassion. Well, that's, that's what I was going to say. It didn't sound like anybody, excuse my language, gave a shit about your, your actual feelings or how you were actually doing. I mean, after I stopped transitioning, and the regret was really setting in. I tried going back to all my doctors for different reasons. Like, I went to my endocrinologist to report that I stopped taking hormones and I didn't really get any guidance on going off of that or what the risk of that would even be. So I kind of had a huge shock in my system from that I, that I wasn't expecting. Like, I lost about 25 pounds in a matter of, like, two months. I got super sick. Mm. Um, I was having digestive issues and my urinary tract issues that I was already having from from taking testosterone were exacerbated by going off of it for a while. So sometimes I would get like blood mm. or like UTIs or like chunks of like tissue in my urine. Oh my gosh. And it was terrifying. I had no idea what this was. I, I tried, I tried going to like a urologist and OBGYN and such. No help from them either. Um, I was told things like, well, we don't have any data on patients like you. And, well, you're getting your period now, so you're probably fine. And we don't think you need to get a fertility check. And like, I tried going back to my surgeon for the issues that I'm having with the, the wounds on my chest. Right. His advice to me was to put Vaseline on it, which gave me a pretty bad skin infection for a few days. Excuse me. You said to put Vaseline on it? Yeah. Yeah. To, uh, wow. Why don't you just put some grease on there? Right. Yeah. yeah just geez. reach in and get some Crisco. I mean, it just doesn't... Oh. You're you're out here trying to, yeah, yeah you're trying to fight this this fight. And, Sorry and to make jokes, but you know we're we're hearing from the activists, and, and we keep kind of leaning back towards it. But we, we keep hearing from the activists. Uh, this is safe. It's reversible. It's uh, you know it's got data to back it up. Well, the last data I saw was the Tavis Tavis. I can't remember the name of Tavistick Clinic, and in, in I'm sorry. 
Tavistock. Yes, that's right. The Tavistock Clinic in England has shut down, and, and more and more countries are backing off of this. Most of the EU has now stepped back and said, this wasn't giving. This wasn't having the same effect. And right around the time that they're doing that across the the world, the United States is going, "Hey, let's just start handing this stuff out like free," and then yeah. expecting Go you, yeah, expecting you to mentally be able to cope with that. I, I can't imagine that that's been a, a a pleasant experience for you mentally and and obviously physically. No, I mean, in one appointment that I had with my general specialist, which. I guess it doesn't really mean anything. Like it's not an actual job title. Right. It's just like, a, like a, like a, I think like a psychologist who is like, like Doctor Phil. He's not really a doctor. Dealing with <laughs> patients. Right. And like heard me between different services, like the surgery and hormones and such. She told me, "Oh yeah, this is just another part of your gender journey." Hmm. Whatever the hell that means. God dang! This just another part, part of your gender I've, journey. Since when are children supposed to have gender journeys? Why? What does that mean? Yeah, exactly. What is it that? that oh, see, now you got me <laughs> flustered. I think my face is red. He is. I'm. I'm. I'm just. You know, and, and you think I, I really believed I was prepared for this because I. I, I mean, I got to tell you, I've probably listened to at least a hundred plus hours of your interviews. I've read everything I could get my hands on, and I don't think I ever read that part of it. And this is just part of your gender journey from a mental health professional. <laughs> Wow. So let me ask this. Now you, you, you're in a psychology class. Um, you get yourself, you know, uh, you get your eyes open. I hate to use the term awakened, but um, in the real sense, you kind of went, uh, oh, shit, yeah. we might have a problem here. Yeah, that's kind of an understatement here. Sure. <laughs> and so, I, I was for a few weeks. Like I, I was not functional. Hmm. I just... All I could really do was just stay in my room hmm. and just lay there. God. So you come back to your parents after coming to them a few years before and saying, you know, convincing them this is the direction we have to go. And now you come back to them and say, um, I've made quite quite an error here and I need to fix this. Yes. Well, and it, well, was, it was humiliating. I can't I was, imagine. To admit that this thing that they and I and our whole family has been invested in for years was wrong, that it didn't work out, that it made me worse. And did I that, felt so alone because did that put I mean, a strain, my mom and dad, Did that put a strain on the relationship between your parents and your family or and you and I mean did, um, or did they were were they as accepting as they were at the beginning? Yeah, I mean, they accepted me, but the amount of stress I was in and the hormonal imbalances from going off of hormones and such strained pretty much all of my, my relationships with everybody around me. And uh, I lost all my friends from school. Hmm. And I lost all my friends from the trans community as well because now I, was, I wasn't I was one of them anymore. I so was, the, the, trans, I was, the trans community, you're talking about the one that is... Over accepting and all loving and inclusive and and accepts everybody for who they are, has has blacklisted you. Yep, I mean from the very beginning of me starting to talk about the regret for my transition, I had people harassing me, and sometimes I would just bring up in passing even. And there, were, I, I felt like I related to uh, 
I, I didn't know exactly what I was or where I would fit in anymore because I just went through this. Like, I'm, I'm a minority of a minority. Absolutely. Right. And, like, I don't relate to anybody I know from school or other trans-identified women anymore because I'm not one of them anymore. So I thought the next best thing would be, well, maybe I'd relate to, like, a trans male, male to female individuals because that's just what I did, right? Sure. You, like you basically did it twice. I'm, yeah. I'm <laughs> and I don't, I'm kind of awkward because I haven't really, throughout a lot of my development, I was trying to be a boy. So I don't exactly know how, like, all the the mannerisms and complexities of female socialization and the female experience. So maybe I'm more like them and I should try interacting with them. And when I did, they would get so offended just hearing about my wow. story. They, they, they weren't supportive. They weren't compassionate. They, that just, it blows my mind that, and, and I don't know if it's generational and you know, we didn't, we didn't share a whole lot about, who we are, but we're two old men. Uh, you know, we have we have kids. Speak for are, yourself, Tommy. Speak for yourself. That's right. You're older than I am. So, um, we we have kids that are older than you, and and so when I look at what generationally has happened, um, you know, and this 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 you call it a journey, and I think I would call it a a highway to hell. Um, and you you had the brave and the tenacity and the courage to not do it just once, but you did it twice. And so you said something just a minute ago that I, you don't feel like you, you're a woman. Um, I got to tell you, you, you did, you've done so far everything bravely that, that women do. Um, and, and you, you know, I hope that, that that piece at least resonates with you. So, you know, your parents are supportive now. As you, as you hit that detransition button and you started to be ostracized between your friends and the community, uh, what, what steps did you take? Um, I mean, like, in terms of, like, detransitioning, for me, that meant, well, on the social side of things, like, I was going back to my birth name, and, uh, I was no longer adopting the, the identity of the opposite sex, and I wanted everybody to refer to me as a girl again, and I was also, like, growing out my hair, and wearing makeup again, and starting to buy new clothing, and fashion has actually been kind of a big part of uh, my journey back from from transition, and that's something that I'm kind of starting to pursue. I'm really, years. I'm really glad that we didn't do this in a Zoom setup <laughs> after, after you said that because you know, Bear and I again being a little older, uh, <laughs> fashion's not our not our big piece. <laughs> <laughs> so well, that's uh, fine. But uh, uh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I also was starting to interact in communities around transition regret in people who have detransitioned or desisted before they started to medicalize and what little comfort I could I could find a lot of it came from this community and just knowing that I wasn't the only one and just sharing like our our experiences and, and pain and knowing that there were people out there like us but at the same time that was kind of terrifying because I I had this feeling that I mean, most of these people that I'm talking to who have transitioned medically, we're all adults, right? Right. As adults, and we're adults in the present. But I, I just knew, like, I couldn't be the only kid who's gone through this. There has to be so many more. Right. I, I, and 
they they must feel they must be being silenced the way that I was. And I knew that eventually I wanted to start speaking up publicly about about my own story, but I wasn't exactly sure when or how I would do that, what that would look like. But I I just I knew that it was something that I it's just something that I feel like I, I have to do. Like I I wouldn't be able to sleep at night knowing that I'm not using what happened to me for for good. So, Chloe, the trans community claims that they are targeted and harassed and oppressed. Genocided, too. And and genocided, yes, that's a good one. Um, do you feel like you were in that? Were you being harassed or targeted or at any time during your transition or detransition? Um, I mean, when I, when I started transitioning, I was in middle school. And so I got bullied a little bit for presenting myself differently, but I mostly attribute that to the age that I was at and the people around me. Because middle school is the trenches. Oh, yeah. We We all know how remember. (laughs) I don't think there's a kid in middle school that's not a butthole. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I I think it was just kind of a part of growing up for me, but... I remember... I mean, I I feel like I I had it even worse when I was detransitioning. Okay. Because throughout high school, most people didn't care that I was transgender, those who knew. But now that I was detransitioning, like, it was almost kind of embarrassing. When they were more, they seemed to be more of jerks? Yeah, I should have known exactly what I was doing, that I was making other transgender people uncomfortable, even that I, like, took resources from them in transitioning. You took resources. So it, it became, yes. they uh, as they tend to do all the time, as they <laughs> victimize themselves yeah, again. Yeah. again. But nobody ever took the time to say, wait a minute, while these trans, these folks who are in transition are getting all of this care and many, many of oftentimes free or, or on the backs of, you know, taxpayers. Whereas when you detransition, something you, you've talked a lot about is, there is zero resources available for you. And when you do find somebody who will talk to you, you get that this is just part of your journey. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the only resources we really have right now are just these niche online communities, which are growing bigger and bigger every day. But we need professional resources. We need help. Absolutely. We need codes in healthcare to help us. So you need with a, a doctor with a, a set of cojones that would be willing to help you guys instead of, you know, pushing yeah. the other Alien, way. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So you and I mean in, in California where I live and I underwent transition, um, we have a law against conversion therapy, which gender gender identity has been included in that and. Following any model of care that is not the affirmative care model, which is essentially just placing people with gender dysphoria into a box and pushing them into transition, it can be considered a conversion therapy and you can lose your license. Wow. That's unreal. <laughs> so I don't even know what to say. You, you, you go through all of this, and I, I know there's several places you talk that you, you, know, you, you thought you might be on the spectrum. Um, you you were kind of more of a quiet quieter type of kid, and this yeah. is this has got to be quite uh, a catapult. Suddenly, you're detransitioning, and you're you're thinking to yourself at this point, "I need to do something to help." 
Yeah. And the only way to do something to help is to get out in front of it. How hard was that for you when you first made the decision to to say, uh, here I am, take me? It was pretty nerve-wracking at first. Like, I at first, I started small, of course, with uh, just speaking out on Twitter just about my experience and my thoughts and feelings on transition, especially like the childhood medical transition aspect of it. Um, but then one day I had like a nonprofit group of parents who are uh, by the name of Partners for Ethical Care, and they reached out to me uh, through Twitter. Um, at first they were just asking for like a written, tes- written testimony for me uh, because Louisiana was introducing a bill for conversion therapy, quite like California's law that's already in place, and they wanted me to speak against it. And I agreed, and I provided that. But apparently, the day after, they they told me that the the lawmakers were not allowing anybody who wasn't physically there in person to speak. Of course not. And they, they, they don't want the opposition to be heard. Yeah, they asked me if like I could if I could fly out, and they like they offered like pay all the expenses, of course, and it was not something that I expected to do. And it took a while to get my parents on board with it, but I'm so thankful that they said yes. So I went and did it, and fortunately, they still wouldn't let me speak because they only allowed um, two public comments, one in opposition, one in favor of the bill. But I got to speak privately to some, some legislators, and since then, I've been... Uh, I've just been doing the same thing, just uh, just giving my testimony across the states, testifying in legislatures, and uh, now I'm doing like speaking events and and interviews and such. Well, we appreciate the interview. We definitely do. So Louisiana <laughs> sets the, the the stage for you in the legislative um, world of our government. How um, how many states have you testified in their House and Senates uh, since you started this this new? Um, advocacy work that you you're doing i've lost track after about 13 or so states <laughs> nice within about about a matter of a year i think it hasn't it's only been about a year and so a month you're you're 18 now yes you're 18 and so one year and eight months you started doing this at 17 years old and we have got yeah. we've got lawmakers that don't have the balls that it took to do anything no. even remotely close to what you've done. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, some of the groups that you've partnered with, and some of the things that you're doing now to uh, get the word out and to help these communities out? Um, yeah, I've uh, right now I'm actually working as a senior fellow with a nonprofit by the name of Do No Harm, which is it's composed of uh, physicians, professionals, parents, and patients. And I'm working with them as a patient, obviously. And we're currently focusing on this issue. And they help me with like my travel expenses and such. Well, okay. And that's just the major one? Is that the only one? Um, I've worked with other groups, not like on a contractual basis, but right. uh, like I've been uh, at like churches and uh, done a few speaking events around the country. Okay, so would you say that you're against transitioning now, or you you're for it, or you're just against the the going after kids? 
Um, well, I'm completely against the transitioning of kids, whether it be medical transition or even social transition, because social transitioning alone had some pretty rough ramifications, some pretty bad ramifications for me. Right. And I missed quite a few years of, of my development. Um, but adults, I feel like it's a little more complex because, well, once you hit 18, it's not like you're just magically completely mature right. like you're still missing a lot of development and uh you there's so many more years of experience and just being out in the world and knowledge around things like uh like your own sexuality and whether you want to have children or build a family of your own one day and that takes quite a few years to really determine i think and i think Legally, the minimum age should be around 18, but generally, I think it should be reserved for people who are around 25 years of age or older because you've had quite a few years in the world to kind of figure yourself out. And they, they say that's when your brain is just done developing, is around 25. Yeah, so. yeah. I think mine's still developing. I don't know. Mine quit developing at like 13. Yeah, you know. So I still have that mentality for sure sometimes. <laughs> so we've we've heard a lot. What's that? Brain development is kind of a lifelong process well, anyways. Well, if you're lucky, you won't grow. You'll grow old, but you won't grow up. Um, and I, <laughs> I've been fortunate enough, and I think uh, Barry could, I could speak for Barry in saying that we've been fortunate enough. We've gotten old which hasn't been fortunate, but we have not in any way grown up at all. Our, no, wives, we're our wives would laugh and agree as well. We're Peter, Peter panning this right now. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So we've heard a bunch about Chloe uh, in the transition and detransition world, but tell us about Chloe generally. Yeah. What does Chloe like to do? What do you do for fun? What do you do for... I, I will say that I've seen some of her uh, drawings on Instagram. And right. She, I think she does pretty well. I think they're really nice drawings, so... Maybe we could get her to do one for our faces. Uh, no, no, I don't want, I don't want to get her traumatized. Oh, she she she, she doesn't she doesn't she doesn't do horror movies. She's been traumatized drums. enough. Gotcha. We don't need to do that to her. What 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 do you like to do overall? Um. Well, I am an artist, and like right. I said earlier, uh, I like doing fashion, and uh, I like I like right now I'm like buying clothing and like building up a wardrobe and like coordinating stuff together. But I want to actually learn like the process of design and making clothing and eventually set up a brand of my own and sell my own clothing one day um and in terms of like illustration i uh i mostly make like people characters sometimes like pets and like a lot of uh character design um so maybe doing comic strips huh i i i I used to do comics uh, when i was a bit younger i kind of stopped doing that though but i suppose i should probably get back into writing and story building and such well and just keep uh, drawing you do you do good work thank you, well, you, you yeah that's you, what I'm you, doing. you definitely um, have a hell of a story that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> so i also roller my skates are kind of going out of commission though and they need to be replaced rollerblading uh, yeah, yeah I, also, I also like i can't be trusted teslas. on those <laughs> you like teslas <laughs> Yeah, Tesla. I think Elon would love to hear that. Yeah, I think he would. Yeah. So you've probably gotten to meet a lot of people um, throughout this this process, this journey of yours. Um, 
I imagine the most of the people you support or that you meet, they're they're very supportive. I noticed yesterday on your on your Facebook or I'm sorry, on your Twitter feed, um, you were you you made light of the fact that normally you would have thousands of of people who would show up to to protest your your uh, presence, and and yesterday you said you probably counted five. <laughs> do you see that as a positive? It was actually about sixteen. Oh well, still a pretty measly number. Sure, compared to thousands <laughs> in the past. Do you find that that you're probably making a difference, or they realize that they aren't making a difference? Yeah, I, I think it's a little bit of both. Like a lot of people are starting to wake up, but also these part these these activists are. I think their attitudes around this are starting to change. And they're starting to realize that they're that they're losing. And across like different parts of the the country, they respond differently to that. Like I've noticed that like in the deep red states, they seem to be more desperate, and so they're more violent. And I think in a few different states, they've like stormed capital buildings on the basis that their gov- their local governments were like banning life saving care, taking away the rights of such. Hmm. Yeah, banning, but, banning mutilation is such a horrible thing. That's a bad idea. Oh, geez. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so have you yeah. ever been to Colorado? And do you have any plans on coming uh, here? I've stopped in the Denver airport a few times, but that's... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but I might, I, I'd like to come. Well, I'll tell you, uh, if we can make it work, I've, you've probably looked. We're a very blue state. Um, and you know, it's, it's far more liberal than it used to be. They actually call us, uh, baby California. Um, and a lot of, a lot of people call us Cal, of, uh, California, California. Yeah. So, uh, you probably wouldn't be too far off as far as what you've seen, but once you get into the beautiful parts of our area of the state, uh, you, uh, it's just breathtaking. Yeah, it grows on you. Amazing. Yeah, it definitely does. You could probably, if you I ever mean- did some landscape drawing, you could get some really great drawings from something <laughs> like that. Yeah, I mean, from what I've seen just outside the Denver airport during the winter, it looks pretty cool. It's cold. With it's not cool. <laughs> it's freezing. <laughs> Actually, I, there was a time that I was stranded in Colorado because uh, I was on a layover and my uh, my next flight was uh, was was canceled. Oh, gosh. So I just had to stay there for, uh, I think, in like a part of Denver for a little bit. And uh, I... I they took my bags to the next state. Still. Of course. Oh, so, so you don't I have clothes or nothing. They, you're stuck here with no belongings. In fact, I was in a t-shirt and shorts in the middle of the winter. <laughs> oh yeah. Lovely. There, there's a welcome for you. That is well. And that's kind of, it kind of, it kind of matches in with Coloradoans because a lot of times we're doing the same things. Yeah. Well, you know, I walk around in shorts in the winter too. So, you know, why not? So besides those things, what do you have any other hobbies? Any, anything you're going to pursue besides the fashion and the, and the, the uh, drawing? Um, that might be my main thing, honestly. Nice. Um, as for what else I do, um, well, I'm not in school right now because I've been so busy and I don't know if I'm even going to need it for what I want to do. I mean, I really enjoy doing this stuff down the line, but down, down the line, I don't know other than the fashion I should probably do something on the side just as like a safety measure. I got to tell you, after seeing uh, some of your, your speeches in state houses and seeing you talk on the steps of some of these state houses, uh, I would imagine that there's probably some lobbying firms that would love to have you. Um, just be careful with politics. You you know how that turns to be. Um, but oh, yeah. Chloe, you, you tell an amazing story. Um, and, and 
God bless you for, for having the strength and the tenacity uh, and the fortitude that it takes to come out when you know that, you know, there's so many people out there that, that are against it. But what we always have to remind ourselves and something that Bear and I pride ourselves on this show is we want everybody's opinion to matter. Yes. We don't have to agree all the time, but we should be right. having conversations. And unfortunately, we've, we've stopped having those conversations and it's become us versus them. And then the, re- the true reality of it is in, in this particular case specifically, we don't want people messing with our future generations and doing things to them irreversibly um, that, that, that they can never turn back from. You know, you said you wanted to at some point have kids. And if you don't mind me asking, and you don't have to answer if you don't want to, have you gone through any testing now to see where you're at, uh, where that's concerned? Um, with, with Sorry, you, you cut out. Um, he was asking if uh, you've done... He was asking if you had had any tests done to see if you possibly could have children. Oh, well, I mean, I haven't had any tests done. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of... Ref- I. I'm kind of afraid of like going back to my doctors. No, I, don't, I, don't I don't blame you there. <laughs> I can't trust them with helping me. And I've, I've tried, like I've tried to push to get that kind of testing, but I've just, it feels like my, my concerns are just pushed aside each time. But I, I started getting my period back and oh, good, it's, good. it's still possible that I could still be having like a, an ovulatory menstrual cycle, meaning that I'm not ovulating. Right. But I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful. And I seem to be get help, getting healthier every day. Great. That's good news. Now, you recently filed a lawsuit, and I believe you're the first one who has done so against um, some of your medical providers as well as the hospital or in the uh, insurance company who helped provide some of this? Not the first detransitioner, I don't think, but I'm the first child patient. Okay. Oh, yep. Okay. I, I, that made, I, I thought I heard that first. I, so I knew it was there. But uh, I, I, a friend of mine by the name of Layla Jane, she transitioned, uh, she started taking hormone blockers and cross-sex hormones at the age of 12 and underwent a double mastectomy at the age of 13. God and she recently bless. filed a lawsuit. And she's actually working with my same, uh, my same attorneys as well. Wow. It, it takes a courage. And, and, and what we've started to see, we've seen it with the Bud Light. Uh, effect we've seen targets start to play part once one person finally shows the courage to stand up and to say enough is enough uh, I, i'm glad that it happens sometimes uh, where others see their strength in numbers and and if you said it yourself pretty succinctly earlier you are a minority in a minority and the truth of the matter is, is there, there are more people out in, in this world who would rather us not be messing with these kids, but for some reason, they're afraid to stand up and say it. And so yes. you've, you've been a, uh, a beacon, if you will, for others to, to stand up and to, to say, we're not going to take this anymore. The kids are our future, and we've got to treat them like that, because if we don't, we're going to lose our future. I mean, as two, uh, and as two uh, middle-aged uh, old white guys that we're very proud of what you've done and with it, what you've uh, been out there doing and, and uh, getting the word out. Chloe, if people wanted to find, so if, if they wanted to find out more about you, where could they find you? Yeah. So um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at the C H O O O C O L E at three O's in the middle there. Three O's in the middle um, of the day. And also, I've also started a YouTube channel as well. And, um, I've been uploading a few videos there 
and I have the same username there, but you can just, you can find me by just looking up Chloe Cole. Excellent. Chloe, we really appreciate your time today. Thank you for joining us. We really hope that we were able to, uh, to inform some of our listeners, to educate them, and that uh, you've been an inspiration for us. Uh, as Bear said earlier, we're very proud um, to, to even know you, and we're, uh, we're proud of you for, for taking the stand that you've taken. Uh, we thank you thank for you, joining sir. us. Thank you for having me. What a brave young woman. I, I'm telling you, she's she's awesome. I don't, uh, you know, I've 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 seen a lot of things. I've you know talked to a lot of people, and the courage that she has taken to stand up the way that she has, yeah. um, against of all people, well, the, yeah. the medical community, yeah, and then her own people. To be fair, you know, <sighs> the other transitioners or the other trans society, they you know, turn their back on her because she decides that she detrans. We talk ridiculous. about this frequently about, uh, they talk about inclusivity and they talk about, um, you know, being, you think, yeah. Cause they're supposed to be the open being united yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and being open and understanding and caring, but they're only that way until you go or, or, you know, express a different belief that they don't necessarily agree with. And right. then immediately they send the mob out after you. Yeah, exactly. They've got Antifa. They've got their, their Twitter trolls and their, their social media yeah. trolls that just go after and attack people. And there's no sense in that. No, 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 not at all. How, how is it that you, you want everybody to respect you? Yeah. You want everybody to accept you. And I got a hunch that had this been done in a little bit of a different manner, the results might have been a little a little less than what they are. Right. Now, again, the kids thing is it's probably never going to change for many people. I know for certain myself being yeah. one of those. And, but and apparently so is she. She's totally against it she, because she was that. She kid, made that well she you know? was the kid who got taken for granted. It's part of your journey. Yeah, it's you know? part of your journey. Dude, I have got to tell you when I saw your face. When she said that, <laughs> my blood began to boil. Right. This is a medical doctor. They're swearing an oath to do no harm. Right. And for them to tell a 16-year-old girl, well, this is part of your journey. Just deal with it. Dismissed it. Yeah. Dismissed it as a whole. And they, Suck you know, it up. Yeah. <laughs> Rub Vaseline Rub on your Vaseline. wounds. I can't believe And that. hopefully it'll heal up better. You know, she came off as, uh, when she was a kid, when she was younger, when she started the process, she came off very shy, very timid, very yeah. reserved. And now she's stepped into the spotlight and she's just taking it. And that's why I'm proud of her. That's why oh, I made absolutely. that comment is because she, she turned that corner. She turned 180 degrees and she's like, you know, somebody's got to do it. Why can't I? Why Here, shouldn't I do Exactly. It? It, and I think I use the term that, that if not me, then who? You're exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and that is such an admirable trait, you know, and, and she made mention that she, she believes she's on the spectrum. And I think she since, and I didn't bring it up, but I think she since has been diagnosed with, with a bit of, of autism. And, you know, for her to come on and this, as this shy, quiet, you know, yeah. kind of tenderish person and to get shit on the way that she did. Right. And instead of, uh, and I'm not trying to be distasteful when I say this, but instead of going and hiding out in a corner and, and licking their wounds and woe is me. Yeah. She stood up and she said, Oh hell no. No, this has got to, somebody's got to say something. Something's got to give. And if yeah. I've got to be the person to stand up for it, then yeah. damn it, I'm going to. Yeah. And I got to, she's I gotta, still doing it. Oh, and, and she seems to have turned that corner and now she's, you know, more open, more uh, boisterous, more, you know, I would love now to talk to her parents. Oh, you know, I, I, speaking of her parents, I, 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 first, I, you know, when I first read this story, started looking into this, I was like, what the 
are her parents. Right. You know, what the hell were they? And now, you know, I'm sitting here listening to her, and I'm like, I, I get why her parents they they wanted to you know be there for her, be they got supportive. Brainwashed. Well, they, yeah, they got brainwashed, but they were just trying to support their daughter, you know, in, right. in whatever she wanted to do. I mean, so, to put yourself to, to call her by the name that she wanted, right. treat her like a boy. Uh, I give him credit. I really do. I I've, mean, I've tried to. I'm put sure myself. there's some people out there that are going to be talking crap about her parents, but I, I think mm-hmm. they did what most parents would have done. I've put myself in that position and thinking if my if my son or my daughter had come to me, how would I react? And it's it's a similar situation. I could sit and guess. Oh, yeah. All day long. But I have no idea yeah. how I would respond. I love my children. I love them dearly. Would I put forth the same amount of effort? I'd like to hope that I would. Right. But I'd also hope that I would. Unless you're there, you don't know exactly. Right. How you're exactly. Act. Yeah. I would hope that I would be that dad who, when that doctor said, this is part of your new yeah. transition. <laughs> I might have gotten arrested. Hopefully it would just be I'm escorted on, on out the, of the building. I'm on the same um, wavelength with you. I was like, you know, that sung bitch. Oh, I'm telling you. <laughs> I would have done something. If how would daughter. I respond? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I think her parents did a great, I mean, I don't know about great job, but they did what they could with the information they had. If somebody came to me and said, you know, your daughter is saying X, would you rather have a, a an alive son or a dead daughter? It's it's manipulation. Oh, it's so bad on yeah. the emotional level at the at the probably if I had to say, the most vulnerable you can be is when you're with your when you're dealing with issues with your children. Right. Um, and, and so I would like to think as, as a dad, I would have been pushing the psychology right. stuff a little bit uh, harder. Yeah. You know, let's let's dig into this a little deeper. You know, they're saying you're suicidal. Let's let's get that fixed before we go any further. First thing I'd ask my children. So the doctor's saying you're suicidal. Is is that true? And if it is, let's fix that. I yeah. want to be here for you so yeah. that I can do what I can as a parent to help you. And, and it sounds like that's what her parents did, but they got hijacked. Oh yeah, and, and you know sucked. They got railroaded. The I mean, oh absolutely, ran over. You know, because yeah. the doctors and and all the people pushing the drugs and the pushing the the, the operations and stuff, they they just. Bullied the hell out of the parents. It sounds like it bullied the hell out of her. Bullied the hell out of Chloe too. I uh, I gotta be honest. You know when when we first talked about this, I remember there was it was just a a post that I had run past in her Twitter feed. I'd asked you if you'd ever heard of her. You, I can't remember if you said you you might have. I had, had heard the name, but I hadn't really dug into the story. Yeah. And I I remember asking you, and I don't remember exactly the words. I was like, wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. If we could get her on, like that would ever happen. Well, that's kind of what I said. I yeah. Like, well, you know, we, you know, I don't think it'll ever happen. And, and, that, and then you said. That nope. mentality, you can't get, you can't tell me no if I don't ask. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, you know, Matilda over there, she's a, she's a living proof of that. A yeah. beautiful woman like my wife. And when people see her with me, I know they're thinking it. How the hell do you do that? Well, this guy's got to have a big, thick wallet. <laughs> Um, you know, but I would have never known had I not gone after it. Right. And so uh, I sent the email. Right. Didn't hear anything for a few days and, and honestly had forgotten about it. You kind of like, well, okay, well, yeah, I, I tried. Gave it, I, you know, I shot my shot. <laughs> yeah. I missed. It, it happens. And uh, when that email came through, you know, it was still kind of one of those. Sorry. I know we were both sitting there going, well, if it happens, it happens. Right, right. But if it doesn't, we're still going to do our show. 
Yeah, we're yeah. going to still still do our thing, and we'll just we'll find other ways to uh, to enjoy what we're doing. And through the the, the discussion process, uh, even up until this morning, like last night, I didn't sleep very much, and it wasn't out of nerves. Um, nerves. It was out of making sure I had all my ducks in a row. Exactly. Making sure that the questions that I had were exactly what I was going through is like I wanted to make sure I had the questions which which I lost on my phone. Sure. <laughs> well <laughs> luckily I, I was smart enough to, you know, when when she was talking I, I you were I got, reminded Yeah, of I was like, oh I know what I want to ask. Yeah. Well and I think the coolest <laughs> part was is I had lists of questions and she's done this so much. She almost walked us through it. She walked us through this interview, <laughs> and she answered almost every question that we had before we even She didn't shy away from anything. I, I, I threw not. a couple hardballs at her. And oh, yeah, I think you did. <laughs> yeah. But I really, I, I hope like hell we can stay in touch because I really want to follow her journey. Absolutely. Um, you know, I looked at some of her artwork after, you know, uh, you had told me about it and, and she's, she's got talent. Yeah. Um, as far as fashion, I don't know a lot about she, fashion, but I hope she takes Kate Spade right off the map. Well, I, you know, <laughs> I, I'll help her design purses. I, I have a lot of experience and knowledge in styles of purses and it's not because I wanted to, um, but you know, when thanks to Matilda, right? Well, right. You know, she's, she has a closet that she used to have dedicated to purses. And I had to tell her, look, we, you don't need a purse for every day of the week. <laughs> or day of the year. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, she's gotten better. Um, I, I don't know if she went to a 12-step program, but my God. You know, so it, it was really neat that, you know, and when I reached out, <clears throat> excuse me, I wasn't, I didn't know who I was reaching out to. It was, you know, an email that, that I had found for um, inquiries. Yeah. And, um I really just thought, you know, and I was very upfront in, in the introduction email saying, listen, <laughs> we are two guys who don't know squat. It says it right on the podcast. Yeah, it says it right on our, our tagline. Um, <laughs> we are brand new at this thing. We don't have a whole lot of listeners. We probably aren't going to hit a whole lot of people, but man, we would really love to, you know, Chloe's it's a, story. It's a feather in our cap, it in is, my opinion. Absolutely. You know? But the fact that they gave us an opportunity. Yeah. Um, to be able to, and let's, you know, we talked about, we want to interview everyday people. And to me, people, some people have said, yeah. uh, you know, this person's not, that person's got clout. Well, you know, when I look at Chloe, she is an everyday teenager who just wants to do the teenager things. Yeah. Unfortunately, she was thrust into the spotlight yeah. because of the situation, but her stories should be one to inspire Right. Um, and I know for a fact that if you or I sat down and told our story, we'd inspire somebody. Or scare somebody. Or, well, and probably <laughs> scare them. But <laughs> at the end of the day, we were able to sit down and talk to somebody, which just leads me to tell our listeners, you know, why take is, your shot. Why is above her years? She really oh. is actually very way above her ears. You know? Her so, spirit yeah. has got to be just, I mean, we got, I don't know, about one hour on the phone yeah. with her, right? Yeah. One hour on the phone, and I come away feeling like I'm There's connected hope. to this girl. Um, she's given you're right. She's given me hope to believe yep. that if enough people will start standing up, and we preach this a lot. Yeah. And if this enough is, people this will is, stand up, this is proof of what we're talking about. If you just stand up for what you believe in. You can make a change. Absolutely, we we don't. And, and you know, she has made changes in some she states. Has made you know, so. great changes. From what I understood, 
I believe, and I, she couldn't remember the number, but I think she has been in front of 18 state houses at this point. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, it, over half of them passed some law yeah. um, prohibiting the, and I'll just call it what it is, prohibiting the mutilation of children. Right. Um, they call it gender-affirming care. Well, I got to be honest with you, your gender was affirmed when the doctor uh, pulled you out of mom and said, eh, yep, got the sex parts of A or B. Yeah. Um, are you going to identify that you are, are gay or lesbian? Oh, we don't know that for years. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm still a firm believer. God doesn't put us in wrong bodies. Um, but it, it, you take that moral aspect out of it, uh, from my standpoint. And I look at the individual as a human being, right? You know, God says, love, love everybody, hate the sin, not the sinner. Uh, I think I can do that. I think it's easy to do that. But when we look at the, the, the direction society is going, and we touched on Target and Budweiser or Bud Light and North Face and all of these companies. I didn't believe that these, these um, I don't want to call them boycotts because I don't think they're boycotts yeah. as much as they are people making a choice. Yeah. If you're not going to support the everyday average person, we talked about Bud Light in the beginning of the show. Yeah. And Bud Light's released a new commercial. Oh, yes, they have. Um in the hopes to unite themselves back with their consumer. And I got to be honest with you, when I saw it, I said, man, if you could dig a bigger hole. Oh, no kidding. At some point, just stop. Yeah, they, they, they portrayed everybody that was there, uh, a fan of their beer as stupid. stupid. Yeah, stupid. redneck. Yeah, just, redneck. I've got a phone. Yeah. What, I had my phone on my chest, and now I have a tan Yeah, I tan fell asleep. Line. Now i got a tan line of a phone on my chest. I'm or, walking, or carrying other. a cooler, and I'm barefooted. Yeah. They just they make us look stupid. And, and I argued at one point. I had a conversation with some folks at work about this. I don't believe that this is the right alone that's doing this. No. Where it comes to Bud Light, Target, even the North Face. They don't want you to believe it. It's sure. Us con- well, because us then they can say... that think that, you know... Yeah. Then they can say the extremists. Yeah. The ex- why isn't the people who were burning down the buildings in the summer of love, why aren't they extremists? We don't call them left-wing extremists. We call them extremists. We do. We, we get yelled at for but, that. But the mainstream... Uh, narrative is one that well these guys are just you know they're they're most mostly most, peaceful yeah mostly peaceful protest the building burning down behind him so <clears throat> i was pumped we're two guys with a brand new show we've been out seven weeks seven weeks and, and we got somebody like chloe we had here. got somebody who to me really kind of lit i already had a fire over what we were doing right uh i i, I say often you know if i can just make a difference yeah. To one person, just to, you know, change somebody's perspective um, and, and maybe give them a, a little boost, then it's been worth it all. Absolutely. And I can tell and you I, that there's I know no doubt. School teachers mind. feel that way. Oh, yeah. You know? Absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind that there's some listeners today who have heard this story. And hopefully, uh, if you didn't know about it, now you're aware about it. Yeah. Now you are aware. This is, in fact, happening to children. Yeah. Um, and it's not just a onesie twosie. This is happening. I think the last number I saw was somewhere in the neighborhood of thirteen to fourteen thousand children under the age of seventeen received some things. type yeah. of surgical intervention for sex transition. And and I think the number was double when it came to hormones um, and and uh, puberty stopping drugs. Yeah, yeah, right. So you know when we look at these things, uh, I hope that history looks back kindly at Chloe. And 
today I will honestly say I hope that I don't think we're going to leave an indelible mark and that in 75 years people are going to talk about the unrefined <laughs> we can hope but, but I yeah, hope I hope one. in the next six or eight months somebody can go you know those guys that were uh, that were out there doing that thing and they brought that girl, that Chloe girl, on. Chloe girl on. They got me to thinking. Yeah. And, you know, they made me think a little bit different. If, if I was hardline, maybe she softened you a little bit, you know? Yeah, Or exactly. vice versa, you know, yeah. however you want to look at it. You know, uh, we. I want to, again, reach out to all of our listeners and just thank you for giving us the opportunity. And a huge shout-out to thank you to Maria, Chloe's manager. Uh, and a bigger shout out to Chloe. Yeah, thank you a lot, Chloe. We appreciated it, and we had fun. We hope we did you justice. We hope you made a, uh, we made you proud because I can tell you this much: uh, you definitely make us proud. Um, and you give you gave you heard it here. You've given us both hope yep. that uh, we're able to come out of this thing victorious. Um, well, I guess we don't have a whole lot to plug. We got our socials. Yeah, speaking oh. of plugging, we should plug her uh, her uh, social. Yes, media. we'll plug her social she media did it earlier. But let's go ahead and uh, if you want to reach out and find Chloe, uh, basically on all the social media platforms, just look up C H O O O Cole, C H O O O Cole, and you'll find her on Instagram. You'll find her on Twitter, and she's also got a YouTube page. Again, that's C H O O O. Cole. Uh, you can hit her there. And uh, we have socials too. We've got a, a website, theunrefinedguys.com. Yes. Karen has done an amazing job at Thank keeping you, everything going. Um, we've got a long ways to go, but she is busting her hump, really getting that going for us. We've got uh, Facebook, Unrefined Guys there. And The Unrefined Guys on Instagram. And then at Twitter, we are at Unrefined Guys. Until next time. Thank you all for giving us the uh, opportunity to, to share a little bit of ourselves with you. And uh, thank you for giving us a little bit of your time. Until next time, I'm Tommy. I'm Bear. And we are the Unrefined Guys. Have a great rest of your day.